welcome back to another episode of Back Office Outfront, the podcast covering the corporate army behind the athlete. I'm your host, Anna Bernstein, and on today's episode, we have Matt Hillman, the co-founder of Cut & Sew, as well as the co-host of Josh Hart's Lighthearted Podcast. Matt's relationship with Josh goes back to their high school days, playing on the same basketball team at Sidwell Friends, and even living together for some time. Josh went on to play at Villanova, while Matt went on to play at Carnegie Mellon, and they stayed extremely close throughout. Fast forward to today, Josh is on the New Orleans Pelicans, while Matt made a name for himself as the founder of Cut & Sew, a boutique marketing agency based out of LA. They decided to align professionally, and Matt assists Josh on all ends of his off-court business ventures. On this episode, we discuss the decision to start a podcast, how they became early investors in one of the biggest brands in esports, and how athletes that don't necessarily have the biggest personal brands can still have huge off-court success. All of this and more on this episode of Back Office Out Front. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Back Office Out Front. I'm your host, Adam Bernstein, and today we have Matt Hillman, who is one of the founders of Cut and Sew and a co-host of the Lighthearted Podcast and a lot, a lot more, as we will soon learn. So, Matt, how are you today? I'm good, dude. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Thank you for coming on. So, I always like to start with my guests' time at school. So, can you talk about a bit about what you did both inside and outside of the classroom during your college days? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, which was an interesting experience. I played basketball there, so it was a Division three school. Um, I kind of went in not necessarily sure what I was interested in or what I would want to do after. Um, I kind of just went in and thought of myself as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, but being there, you know, I was, I was really blessed because it was a very heavy computer science and engineering school, yeah. Um, yeah. very entrepreneurial. And so a lot of my friends were computer science majors. And so ended up building a company uh, there. It was my sophomore year with uh, four other guys. Uh, there was a local startup accelerator. So we ended up going through that and raising mm-hmm. a bit of money for it. And that was kind of the first, um, the first sort of entrepreneurial experience I had there, which, which was uh which I, you know, it was, it was as, as real of an experience as I could have possibly gotten, like building a company and, and raising money. So it was, it was awesome. And uh, being, being in Pittsburgh and sort of a major city was cool. The startup ecosystem there was really cool. And um, yeah, I had a blast. I probably didn't have as much fun as, as you did <laughs> at Michigan. Um, but uh, we were about a four hour drive from Ann Arbor. So I would go there. Uh, I would go there every so often. Uh-huh. And I always like to ask people who were student athletes, do you think that that experience and playing a sport at a high level has impacted the way you look at the business world today? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think like, especially a team sport. I mean, I can't necessarily speak to an individual sport. uh, But but a team sport, I mean, it's just so hard to replicate and you know what you learn from um, from being on a team with others and really being in the trenches sort of day in and day out and grinding together and, and going through good times and bad times. I think that it really sets the tone for how you handle yourself in business and, and life in general. So um, I think, I mean, I still take a lot of the lessons that I learned and I still honestly, like it's, it's, it's impossible to replicate once it's done. Yeah. Um, so I still look for, look for that feeling wherever I can. Yep. And then backtracking a bit, uh, how does your relationship with Josh start? Um, so we actually went to high school together, um, played basketball there together and just became, you know, really, really close. Um, he ended up, um, actually moving in with my family, um, in high school, which, which brought us even closer. And then we went our separate ways for college. And then coincidentally, um, after college, we graduated the same year. I, um, I moved to Los Angeles for a job and then he got drafted by the Lakers like a couple weeks later. And so we moved back in um and started to um 
you know, advanced in our careers, I guess, which have now become a lot more interwoven, but yeah. yeah. And that perfectly leads into my next question of how and when did that relationship kind of turn from personal to professional and what were those conversations like and how that transition look and were there some awkward points there and are there still some awkward points there and things like that? It's a, it's definitely a good question. Um, I think with, with transparency, um, if you have a great relationship with someone, it's, it's never, um, you know, it's never something to worry about. I think the only way that it becomes something if there's, if, if you're not being transparent or if people are, are hiding things from one another. So for us, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty natural. Um, I definitely didn't want to have that conversation with him too early. I wanted right. to prove myself, not just to him, but, but to myself, I wanted to, um, you know, make headway in my own sort of business endeavors. And I think, you know, there was a time, you know, after I had kind of started my own thing and was starting to experience some traction and was also seeing, you know, some of what he was not getting out of his like, you know, agent and air agency and stuff like that. And so it just gradually was like, Hey, you know, help me out with this or, Hey, what do you think of this? Should I do this? And from there, it just sort of, um, it just kind of got bigger and bigger. And then, you know, fast forward to now we're, you know, making investments together and, and, and built a podcast together. And, um, my company is, is doing a lot of, you know, the work for him on the gaming side. And so, um, it, it, it grew exactly in the way and the pace that it was supposed to, it wasn't too fast and it wasn't too slow. And I think that's, that's kind of what makes it special. Yeah. And you mentioned that point of what he wasn't necessarily getting out of an agent. And that's kind of the biggest question that I wanted to talk to you about. So the reason I started this whole thing, kind of my inspiration behind like the idea of wanting to work in like athlete entrepreneurship, that kind of space was there are these three big names that people always throw out with LeBron and Mav Carter and Paul Rivera and what they're doing with Spring Hill and whatever. KD and Rich Kleiman, who I know you had on your show at 35 Ventures and Steph and Brian Barr and Jerron Smith at Unanimous. And whenever you ask someone about that, it's always those three, those three names and kind of everybody else that kind of feel like you need to have that agency, that agent background. And those are the three biggest names in the sporting world, probably, you can argue. So working with someone like Josh, who obviously, no offense to you or him, but Josh isn't of that caliber of, you know, brand and awareness yet. Why do you feel like you guys have been able to do so much and you aren't necessarily on that level of, uh, you know, awareness and popularity? And do you think it's kind of like a fallacy that you need to be that big to do things on your own? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, there, you know, obviously there's certain things that you could do at that level that, you know, you can't do at others. For example, you know, LeBron started a production company, right? Kevin Durant started a media company. Steph, you know, has a, has a deal with Sony to pre- like, like no one, those deals aren't going to be flowing to Josh. Right. Um, but what I think is cool is you can, no matter how big you are, you can, you can start and you can find something that's really authentic about yourself and you could make really big waves. I mean, a good example is like Matisse Teibel mm-hmm. on the Sixers. Like he's not a huge name, but he's now becoming a household name through his content. And so even if you're the, worst player in the league all of these guys have a platform that are bigger than like 99 percent of you know the rest of the world and so even if they're not you know doing what a lebron or a kd is doing there's still an opportunity for them to make a huge impact in a way that is organic to them and, and makes sense i mean you know for josh he's an amazing personality and he's just so funny and and, and witty and so you know a podcast is is a great way to showcase that a right. twitch stream is a great way to showcase that um and he excels at both of those things and um they're just different right like Steph wouldn't you know hop on Twitch and play video games and interact with his fans in that way and that's totally okay um so I think it's just about finding what you're good at what you love and and uh and and really doubling down on it and when you stay focused it allows you to really excel 
Um, and I think because, especially on the gaming side, because Josh has been so focused there, he's really been able to carve out that role for himself as like the premier or one of the premier gamers in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess it's not as fully fleshed out as some of those other guys endeavors, but I would make an argument that he, he could be like the, the insert name here of, of the gaming world right. in the NBA. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And then one more question I have on the agency side before we go into what you're doing now. I know that you were at a big name agency quickly out of school and then very uh, briefly after you started, they decided to go off and do your own thing. I'm curious what you liked and didn't like about the agency life, you know, from a personal working level as opposed to, um, you know, representing an athlete like Josh. Yeah. Um, What I loved about the agency was um, how just kind of dominant they are in, in terms yeah. of like I it just opened up my eyes to all of the different areas of business that they they practice and, and mm-hmm. how great they are at all of them um I mean from you know representing the top music artists in the world for their touring to the top actors in the world for 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 all of their you know film and tv work to right. athletes to uh, they have a venture capital division they have a an in-house marketing agency like they you know produce their own they're just there's just so much so much that they do and i think being in that environment really paved the way for me to have the mindset now which is like okay how do i find how all of these worlds kind of come together and and play in that space and and not just be one dimensional and so that that's like something that i learned there that i'll i'll never you know forget um what i what i didn't like was i felt that it was really um like bureaucratic and 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 hierarchical and yep. and it's if you're if you're new there you really have to pay your dues it's more about how how long you've been somewhere than how right. good your ideas are and so I, I i wish that that would change a little bit i think they're gonna i think big big agencies like that are gonna lose out on top talent if they don't if they don't change but obviously right. they're pretty successful so it's who am i to say um but that was just kind of something that i noticed early on and i also just wanted a small team feel like i like i mm-hmm. had in when I was building companies in the past and I wasn't going to get that at a, like a 3000 person company. Yeah. I know that is one qualm I've heard of peers of mine who have gone on to work at places like that is the whole, everyone starts the mailroom thing, I guess is not for everybody in the work world. And yeah, I think that is a good point, but the hierarchical, I've definitely heard that before. Um, totally. And then into what you guys are doing now. So I guess what you're most known for probably is the podcast. So can you just take me through that of the mindset behind starting it? Was it purely for fun or was it, some business behind it also or did it kind of gradually shift from fun to business as it grew in popularity things like that um it's it's funny you say that i mean i guess you know from a mass awareness perspective you know for for like nba fans that's probably what i would be most known for just because yeah. it's like it's gotten the most views and it's like been been widely out there but what it's what i spend you know most of my time on which we can talk about later is 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 like my marketing agency no, of course, yeah. um but um yeah, I mean, the podcast grew quicker than I think either of us expected it to in such yeah. a short amount of time. Um, and I think that it started off as just a fun way for uh, for him to, one, for us to do something together, um, but for him to interact with his fans, uh, to show another side of himself and continue building that relationship uh, between them, between him and his fans. Um, and for me, it was just a, you know, a great way to continue um, speaking on topics that I was passionate about. It, it was great for both of our networks and both of our just exposure in general and allowed us a platform to talk about things that we were doing in business. Like we would bring on, you know, CEOs of companies that we invested in, which was really cool. 
Um, and then quickly it, be, it became a business. Like we, you know, listenership grew. We ended up selling in a, a sponsor um, for the entire season, mm-hmm. which was which was pretty amazing um, and allowed us to really take it to new heights. Um, we threw an event in, in New Orleans and had, you know, 350 people come out for a live show, which was a blast. And so, yeah, it, it very quickly grew. Um, and we're actually, we were just talking the other day about, about the, the reboot plan. So mm-hmm. definitely stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> and um, I had on Amjad Osman the other day who runs Danny Green's podcast. And I was asking him about um, going from uh, San Antonio to Toronto to LA and how that changed the show. I'm curious about how, if at all, substantially going from LA to the New Orleans move has impacted the show at good or bad or whatever. Yeah. Um, it definitely made it more challenging. I mean, being in LA was easy because so many guests are there and it just, right. you know, right. made it easier for them, for them to come over and just, just record at our house. Um, and we were living together. So it was like, it was just no effort to, you know, walk 10 feet to the yeah. other room. And record. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we just, had, I mean, we just had to adapt. We, we just, we just looked at it as a way to have new guests, you know, open up to a new market. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately it actually served as a great mouthpiece for like his excitement about be going to new Orleans. Like, you know, after the trade happened, we were like podcasting and he was vocal about how excited he was. And, you know, that made the city of new Orleans more excited. And so I think it was a, a net positive, um, uh, you know, it, there was a period of time where, where I needed to be down there more often. So I was flying down and it was a bit more of a of a little bit of burden on me but um i mean it's all good and i think it also like it prepared us for now which is no one expected right so you know remote remote podcasting Mm -hmm. is is becoming a huge thing and we have some great producers who can help with that from the technical side and so um yeah we're 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 adapting and, and and making do yeah and then outside of the podcast, like you said, a lot of what you guys do, what you do personally is on the marketing side. And then first, before we get into that, I kind of want to talk about how that ties into the esports world. I know that Josh has been very, very, very on the forefront of the esports world with FaZe and all these things. And I'll ask a few questions about that. But first, I'd like to yeah. get into the players network of uh, if you can explain what that is and how you guys got involved and what you think the future of that holds. Yeah, so they're a client of ours. Um, we were approached by them to help lead, you know, their rollout on the marketing side, launch all the social channels, manage all of the content, um, work with the talent. Um, and essentially what it is is a new age gaming and entertainment network where they have uh, deals with, you know, top talent spanning music, sports, gaming, um, all coming together sort of under one roof um, to create content and stream on Twitch and um, essentially just uh, build a presence across all of these different channels. Um, and I think that it's, it's really cool. I think that, you know, we're seeing, uh, gaming transcend, you know, just gaming, right? Like everyone's a gamer, artists, athletes, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I think that that's a really, the players network can be a really cool place to, to showcase that and to allow all these different personalities to have fun and, and build brands. Um, and so I think the goal is, is, is really for it to become, that destination for you know content that that merges all of these these different worlds and i think they've done a good job signing some some really awesome talent um just got to put the pieces together yeah and i'm sure that you have heard this a million times but i feel like everyone's kind of idea of when gaming became mainstream was when ninja and travis and juju and drake all played Fortnite together and then i feel like kind of building something around that idea of having you know party next door play with josh hart and myers leonard and whoever else is a sound business model of what everyone thinks will work yeah, that's definitely a moment that we um, we look to a lot uh, and, and, and do our best to replicate, although it'll never happen again, you know, something <laughs> of that 
of that magnitude relative to where the industry was at the time. Yeah. And then another question that I bet you're probably getting a lot right now along the similar lines is with professional sports stopping and the kind of the whole world coming to a halt in terms of physical interaction and esports really grew over these last couple of months, especially with athletes beginning to stream and stuff like that. And how do you feel these last few months have impacted the future of esports and what you guys are doing in particular? I mean, it's just been, it's been massive. It's been like in, incalculable yeah. how massive it's been. Um, the, the amount of non-endemic, you know, talent that have been trying to get into the space has just been, has been crazy. And we've been fortunate enough to work with a bunch of them and kind of help, help usher them in. Um, what I'm interested to see is once normalcy res- resumes, how many of these people are still dedicated. Right. Obviously it's very up the moment and it's very hot right now. And, you know, the one thing about gaming, especially as a non-gamer is that, you need to really be dedicated. You need to really put the time in and, and really grind it out. Um, they don't care how good you are at basketball. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious to see who, who remains when the dust settles. But um, as far as the attention that it's called to the industry, has just been insane. Yeah. And I thought that it was interesting that right before all this happened, I don't know if you watch ballers or not, but there was a whole season about a professional football player wanting to go into the esports world and then kind of just like that it happened in real life. And I thought that was a really interesting parallel between TV and reality. Hundred percent. Yeah, actually, the the actor uh, is a part oh, right. of the right, yes. right, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> and um, another thing that you guys are involved in in the esports world is investing. And uh, can you talk about a bit of the deal with Phase Clan and how that came to be, and how you guys got in so early to such a huge, huge, huge brand, and that's going to shape the future of esports? Yeah. Um, so we work along with Josh. We also work pretty closely with Myers Leonard, yeah. um, who's another diehard gamer. Um, and, you know, just being in the space, we're, we're oftentimes seeing, you know, early investment opportunities just through our network and, and stuff like that. And, and obviously those guys are seeing a ton too because of the value and the credibility that they bring. And so, um, you know, just through, through all of our relationships, you know, we ended up in, in conversations with, with FaZe. This was, uh, what was this, 2009, um, like early 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. So maybe like a year and a half ago. Um, and they were raising and, and felt that, you know, Josh and Myers, uh, as personalities would add, add a lot of value and then felt that we as sort of like an agency, um, with our network and our marketing prowess could come in and, and add value too. And so, um, we invested and, and it's been an amazing relationship and they'll, you know, what we've worked on projects with them and, and I think we've brought a lot of value and, 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 and they have for us too. I mean, for us to be able to say that we've, you know, invested in that business, I think is, is it brings us a lot of credibility mm-hmm. and um, really shows that, that we're, you know, here to stay in the space. Yeah. And I don't know how much you can and can't talk about, but are there any other investments in any in sports or outside of esports that you can talk about and just what you and Josh are looking at in general in terms of what you see in the future? Um, I mean, that's, I can talk about one other that's public, which is, which is play versus. Yeah. Um, which is uh, they have an uh, amazing you know business model. They're they're building the infrastructure for high school esports, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. I mean, to think about a high school sport being privately owned is I mean the sky's the limit. And, yeah. and they have just ten you know thousands and thousands of kids registered. And um, I think it's just also really important work that they're doing. Um, I think they're providing a sense of community for people that otherwise wouldn't have it. And um, yeah, I think I think it's amazing. So. We were a part of that, which we're, we're super grateful for. Um, and then there's a couple others that we are um, most likely going to be writing checks into in the next like three to six months mm-hmm. um, in various sort of 
um, sides of the of the of the industry. So one's in, in mobile gaming, one is uh, is 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 uh, peer to peer wagering. Yep. Um, and so yeah, we're we're trying to be as as broad within the gaming world as we can about the different types of companies. That's super interesting. And I think it's cool to see an athlete investing in something that he personally is obviously clearly so like organically for lack of a better term passionate about. And you don't see that that often necessarily. Totally. Um, and in the last way that you guys are mainly involved in the esports world is through zone, which is an offshoot of cut and sew, like you mentioned before. So in a broad sense, can you just explain what cut and sew is and how it cut and sew fits into this broader esports thing with zone? Yeah, for sure. So, Cut and Sew is you know a full service marketing agency that my, myself and my two partners Sean and Devin founded um, in January of 2018. So, coming up on three years, two a little over two and a half years. Appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been a grind. Um, you know, we started off really small, just doing kind of consulting for mobile app uh, startups on on helping them acquire users, and um, you know from there just kind of you know one thing led to another. Just kind of hustled, did did good work. Um, ended up just being able to work with, you know, bigger and bigger clients and built case studies. And so much of, of, of being a marketing agency is not just landing the work, but obviously doing great work right. and then telling that story properly and sharing your case studies with folks and just staying top of mind for, for new stuff that comes up. And so, you know, that, that's just kind of how it, how it ended up being built. And, um, you know, fast forward to now we work with some, some awesome brands like, um, Ford, who just recently acquired a micromobility company called Spin, mm-hmm. um, Red Bull, you know, Turtle Beach, Venmo, a lot of really, really cool brands. Um, and we, uh, there was a couple, I would say a couple of things that we realized, like, you know, over the course of, of building it was, one was that um, we wanted to be different than other agencies and that we wanted to stay small and not always, you know, we didn't want to necessarily have to make decisions purely based on finances so you know if we wanted to take equity in a business like we wanted to have the freedom to do that if we wanted to build a business in-house using our marketing resources we wanted the freedom to do that and so um that's really been important to us throughout throughout you know our, our lifespan and then also another sort of realization we had was that gaming was a really big part of of what we were doing and it wasn't even a conscious thing it was just like right we picked our heads up one day and realized that a good amount of our clients, talent and investments were kind of all on gaming. And so, um, you know, the, the gaming industry is very niche. It's very protective. It's very uh, wary of people trying to come in and exploit. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't want to be cut and sew with a gaming vertical. Um, and so we took all of our gaming business and spun it out into a new entity gotcha. called Zoned, um, gotcha. which is, you know, marketing agency and, and, and venture studio uh, purely focused on the gaming space. So we're, working with non-endemic brands and helping them enter. We're working with brands super endemic to gaming and help them become a little bit more mainstream. Um, We're making investments. We're, um, you know, we have equity and a bunch of stuff that we're actually coming on and helping build or launch. Um, And so it's been, it's been great. We launched it in April, uh, but it was definitely a long time coming. Yeah. And how do Josh and Myers, if at all, fit into the whole picture? Are they kind of like ambassadors for you helping you do that kind of a thing? Or is your uh, business stuff with Josh kind of separate from Cut and Sew? So Josh and Myers are both on the board, or gotcha. both advisors to Zoned. Gotcha. Um, so we, we gave them each small pieces of the business. Um, and one of our, you know, pillars of Zoned is, is working with athletes and celebrities and artists and helping them build brand, build their brand in gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, everything as small as getting set up on Twitch to as large as strategy and brand deals. And so we obviously work really closely with them on their own 
gaming stuff. And then coincidentally, you know, they become great case studies for us. And so we end up working with other folks who see the work that we've done with them. Right. No, that's super interesting. And I think that as more and more athletes get into the gaming world, they're going to need things like that to help them out. So being at the forefront of that will be definitely beneficial. Totally. Lastly, before I let you go, for someone in my shoes who wants to either work with an athlete, work in sports marketing, work in esports, really anything else you do, do you have any piece of advice for a college kid like me who is in the job hunt and looking to do something along the lines of your career path? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, the, the athlete stuff is, is, is challenging only because um, athletes by nature are very um, – it, it, it takes a lot to earn their trust, right? right? Because they have so many people coming at them with so many different things and opportunities. And so right. it's not something that you can necessarily force, but mm-hmm. certainly will happen organically if, if you are sort of in that world and, and you know, doing good work and, and building a brand for yourself. I think one, the, th- the one thing that you're already doing amazing is that you're, you're doing this, like you're starting a podcast, which is going to yeah. expand your network. It's going to expand your personal brand and um, you know, if you keep up with it and this, this thing grows, then you'll have people, you'll probably have athletes start reaching out to you for advice and, and connections yep. and stuff. And so um, I think if you just continue to kind of like stay in your lane and build, I think everything that you want will come, but, but a little bit more concrete. I think one of the best things that someone can do right out of college is to work for a small company. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously that company should be, you know, in the industry that you want to be in, but what you get, the experience that you get from working in a small company and the amount of hats that you have to wear and what you end up learning and how hands-on you become um, is just so invaluable. Um, I think that a lot of people go right away to a huge company where they're just kind of like a cog and um, you don't feel that sense of ownership over the work. You know that if you don't do it, someone else will and, you know, the company is not going to fail. But, you know, being in a small company where every piece of work matters and if you don't do it, no one else will and then the company will be like materially impacted. I think it's just such a valuable like mindset to have. And if you start off with that, it never really leaves you. And I think that um, that's just one thing that I would really recommend. No, I think that's great advice. And that is the opposite of what most people will tell you and have told me, but all of what you just said makes well, it's hard. Sense. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to compete. Like it's hard to like when all of your peers are like, I don't know, go and work for like Goldman or McKinsey right, right, right. or like, Deloitte. Um, I promise you they don't like their life as much as it yeah. seems though. <laughs> No, I mean, that's, that's what I've been saying. My, my parents weren't super thrilled when I said I wanted to go into the sports marketing world, but I think that the enjoyable experience and I think hopefully it'll make some decent money as well. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but thank you for that. I appreciate you coming on and I will talk to you soon. Cool. I appreciate you having me. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Matt, for coming on to the show. I've been waiting a while to have you on and honestly, Matt's podcast with Josh and hearing some of what they were doing off the court was a huge inspiration for me in starting the show and getting to learn more about all that these athletes and all the, the people who work with them do. So thank you again. And I had an amazing time talking to you. And my biggest takeaway kind of goes along with that. It's looking at all they do. It's that you really shouldn't ever put yourself in a box in the business world and look at the mold that people in front of you have made for you and feel like you need to fit into that. And like I said, in the conversation with Matt, the epitome of athletes off the court success um, away from an agency has been three people. It's been LeBron, it's been Steph, and it's been KD. And even on this show, it's been brought up four or five times, those three people and those three people alone. And I think that it's amazing what Josh and Matt are doing off the court. They're investing, they're getting into media, they're getting into esports, all these growing trends that even though Josh doesn't necessarily have the name brand and the brand recognition, he might not have the same capital, whatever it may be, 
it doesn't stop them from going and doing what they know that they can do and do just as well as anybody else. So I think that that's a super important lesson and I'm glad that I had an expert come on and show all of you guys that that's really the case and you know look at him and he's living proof and Josh living proof as well. So with that I will leave you guys there. Thank you for listening to another episode and I'll be back soon with some more great content. Much love.